morning, everybody. Well, the crowd's a little bit awake, yeah. Matthew chapter 21. Been a great service already. Sunday school, what a blessing Sunday school was this morning. I was here in Brother Wise's class, and just a great lesson from the Word of God. Matthew chapter 21 is where we're turning. I love these door hangers, preacher. And let's go hang some of them today. Um, that looks great. And this little invitation, scan me. <laughs> I hope a lot of folks scan that. And I'm so happy about the, the Bible portions that we've uh, sent out and all the people who've been coming to the website because of that. Praise the Lord. We're turning to Matthew chapter 21. Be back to tonight uh, or this evening, uh, 5 o'clock service. Choir about quarter till warming up. Choir's got another new song to sing tonight. And then there'll be choir practice afterwards. And many of you have been praying for my sweet wife, Renee, who was down with COVID pneumonia in January and some of February, and she's uh, much better. She was out of the house some yesterday, and she was exhausted by nighttime. And so she's still fighting some remnants and long-haul uh, COVID. But uh, thank you for praying for her. Uh, CDs out in the hallway, there's a, just a little bit left. There's really not many left. But Safely Home is out there. The choir will sing that song tonight, Safely Home. If you've got varmints and critters around your house that you want to get rid of, you can get this CD right here, Pass Me Not, my solo CD. That's, that's uh, as good as getting pest control to come to your house, you know. <laughs> Just turn that on. That'll work. <laughs> They're any size donation. And I think Titus is helping me. I don't know if Titus even knew that. You got voluntold, you know, that um, you're... Uh, you volunteer, get volunteered, or you get voluntold. <laughs> and uh, don't write checks to Titus, no matter what he says. Write checks to Bible Truth Music. And uh, Titus is a fine young man, and I appreciate him so much. And it's just been, a, been great getting to be with you. And uh, praise the Lord. Please be back in the evening service. Now, Matthew chapter 21. It's Palm Sunday, you know. Well, here's the passage from the Bible. About Palm Sunday. Matthew 21. And when they were drew nigh unto Jerusalem, they were come to Bethphage. Now I had to learn how to say that name. I've always pronounced it Bethphage. That's what it looks like to me. But the proper pronunciation is Bethphage. Three syllables. Bethphage. Let's try it together. Ready? Bethphage. Oh, good. You're learning things already today. Who knows if that's right or not? No, it is. It's right. <laughs> and when they were drew nigh to Jerusalem, they were come to Bethphage under the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Jesus said, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them. And bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. Now this is from the prophet Zechariah. If you look back in the Bible, the ninth chapter of Zechariah, you'll find this. Verse 5. Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek, and sitting upon an ass, and a colt, the foal of an ass. And the disciples went 
and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt, and put, them, put on them their clothes, and they sent his, set him thereon. Now I want you to help me in the next four verses. Each time I pause, I want you to say the next word out loud. Now I want you to help me. Say it out loud. When I pause, say the next word. I'm going to pause three times in the next four verses. Verse 8. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the, oh, the multitudes that went before and that followed crying, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the, there it is a third time. And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. I titled this morning's message, Public Truths About King Jesus. Public Truths. I um, read through this passage 50 to 75 times asking God, Give me some truth to try to give in the sermon. And I noticed, eventually I noticed that word multitude in verse 8, verse 9, and verse 11. Multitude, multitudes, multitude, yes. This is very, very public what is going on in this passage. Public truths about King Jesus. Well, uh, in Matthew 21, it's the springtime in Jerusalem. Oh, in the springtime, Jerusalem is so beautiful. I've been there. The winter rains have now passed and the whole area of Palestine, oh, it's just lush and it's gorgeous. And uh, Now, Jerusalem is about the same latitude, um, uh, you know, on the, on the map, about like Dallas, Texas last Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, a week, two weeks ago, um, I was down there in Dallas. And uh, about on the same latitude, it was 91 degrees when I was down there in Dallas. Wow, yesterday we had hail and sleet and y'all didn't get the memo, did y'all? Yeah. But down there. And so Jerusalem about on that same latitude. And uh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, just so beautiful this time of the year. Uh, I mean, all of Jerusalem just, just comes alive. It's verdant and uh, uh, green with grass and, and all the rich vegetation there. And it's just emerald green everywhere you look. And everything's quickened and it's alive. Oh, it's wonderful there in Jerusalem. I love Jerusalem. I try every single day at lunchtime, in my lunchtime prayer, thanking God for something to eat. We ought to be thanking God we have something to eat. But while we pray that, I, I pray, dear Lord, please bless your city. Jerusalem is God's city. City. And then I want God to bless this city, Pickerington, Ohio. Amen. So today at lunchtime, you got an assignment. You're learning how to pronounce Beth and you get an assignment. Get homework today. Uh, pray for Jerusalem today and pray for our city that God's blessings would be here. Well, it's Palm Sunday here in uh, Matthew 21 and it's come alive with all this wonderful, uh, beautiful um, uh, uh, vegetation coming. And now, uh, this is something else that takes place at this time of the year on Palm Sunday. The Jews remember Passover. 
Christ our Redeemer died on the cross. We sing that song, don't we? I will pass, I will pass over you. Oh, the Passover is when we remember about what the Lord did. We remember what the Lord did. Uh, different plagues had come on uh, Egypt because the Egyptians had Israel in bondage. And old Pharaoh, it says in the Bible, eight times the king Pharaoh had said no, no, no to God and to God's people. It says that eight times that Pharaoh has hardened his heart. That's a dangerous thing to harden your heart to God. It's dangerous. And another eight times it then says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. I'm telling you, it's dangerous. Dangerous to say no to God. The greatest negative in all the world is saying no to God. It's the greatest. And it, has, it brings eternal repercussions, friends. Oh, Pharaoh said, no, no. Finally, the tenth plague, the death of the firstborn was going to take place. Pharaoh, if you don't let them go, the tenth plague is coming. The death of the firstborn in every household, unless the blood has been applied on the mantle and on the doorpost. <laughs> and all those where the blood had been applied. <laughs> The death angel passed over. Okay. So after, I want you to get this. I'm going to, I'm going to try to show you something that God showed me and taught me. I didn't know this. There's so much in the Bible. I, I hadn't really thought all this through. I want you to get a great truth right now. All right, because God is a God of order and detail and God cares for His people. There's nothing for you to worry about if you're a child of God. Oh, yeah. God's leading perfectly. Yeah, in all this world of chaos, God's leading perfectly. And right after the death of the, all those firstborn over there that did not have the blood applied, God was still leading perfectly. So now, now here, here we go. Uh, Moses and the people of God, they're coming out of, of, of Egypt and all that bondage. They're coming out. And you know when it takes place? It takes place, the Passover takes place. At the same time as the... Now I want you to... I'm going to look at it to make sure I say it properly. Because I can only say this once or twice. The vernal equinox. Did you get that? What on earth is the vernal equinox? Oh! Oh! I'm telling you something great about God. The Passover takes place at the vernal equinox. It's when the... The sun is exactly over the equator. And when the moon is full at night. Oh! Do you know what that means? Here's Moses. The Passover has just taken place. And God is so good to His people. I mean, here's Moses and all those Jews, all those Hebrews. They're, they're going through the wilderness, headed toward Canaan, the land of promise. And God makes it take place in the seasons of the year at the, at the vernal equinox. It means that at nighttime, if you're out in the wilderness, would you like a full moon at night? Oh yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? Oh Lord, if we could just have one of those full moons. God made it so. 
And right here in Matthew chapter 21, it's the springtime of the year, the Passover, even the vernal equinox is all taking place. I'm telling you, this is a grand day right here. Matthew chapter 21 is a grand, grand day. And God is leading perfectly. And here it is, Palm Sunday. And I want to preach to you three little points today about some public truths. I mean, I'm talking magnificent public truths about King Jesus. Well, number one, King Jesus rides into Jerusalem publicly. We saw that word multitude, verse 8, verse 9, and verse 11. It's, it's very, very public. The Lord's riding in very public. Well, just how public was it? I mean, Jerusalem is a world-class city. And now, the population is bigger today than it was in Matthew 21 days, except for this. If you're listening, say amen. amen. It's estimated by Bible scholars and those who have studied history, it's estimated between one and two million people have come and flocked to Jerusalem for Passover. One to two million people. That's a lot of people. Wow, where are they all going to stay? We don't have enough hotels for that. No, they didn't have enough room in the inn for that. No. So, so in Matthew 21, as the Lord comes into Jerusalem, there's, besides all the local residents, there's one to two million more people have come into town. Oh, I guess all the inns are filled. But besides that, you just look around, man. Look around. There are tents everywhere. People sleeping in their tents. Oh, there, there's some white tents over there, and there's some green tents, and there's some black tents. Man, there's tents everywhere. Man, the place has swollen with people. It's just teeming with people. So many people. Now, the Lord's been over there in Bethany. He's been over there in Bethany, and the multitudes were great there in Bethany. You know why the multitudes were great? They had heard about this one named Lazarus, who had been raised from the dead. Ooh, that's big news. Now, did they have the World Wide Web, Internet? They didn't have that. They didn't have uh, cell phones. and So uh, the word spread, though, friends. Good news travels fast. Bad news travels fast. News travels, you know what I'm saying? People, they talk. And news had come out. Ooh, one has been raised from the dead. Oh, let's go over there to Bethany. Come on, family. Let's all go. Come on, my friends. Let's go. Let's go over there to Bethany and see this one who is raised from the dead. Let's see if it's really true. And they've gone over there. Where, where is this one named Lazarus? We want to see Lazarus. Where is he? And where's the one that raised him from the dead? The one who said, come forth. And Lazarus came forth. Where is that one named Jesus? Oh, the place was just teeming with people. And they're very interested. What's going on there in Jerusalem? And what's going on over there in Bethany? Oh, there's just a throng of people. Now, several interesting things about this passage. As best I know, this is the only time recorded in the Scripture that you find Jesus riding on an animal. How many of you ever ridden a horse? Ridden a mule? Rent a camel. Did you ride a camel when you went over? Oh yeah, you got to do that sometime, man. 
Cost you about $5, but you get to ride on that camel. And those things are big and clunky. You know what I'm saying? Woo, they're tall. I'm like, whoa, wow, what altitude are we? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, but oh, 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 the only time that I know of in the Bible that's recorded, that doesn't mean there's only time, but there's only time recorded in the Bible of Jesus riding on an animal. And he sends his disciples and they get exactly the way the prophecy had been foretold in Zechariah chapter 9. Let me tell you something. This is the only, hey, hey, this is the only sure word of prophecy right here. Oh yeah, quit reading the horoscopes and all that other foolishness. No, no, no. It's the Bible, friends. All the prophecy of the Bible has come to pass or will come to pass. Now, uh, so all this has taken place, but even more interesting than, than Jesus writing on the animal, the only recorded time, is just how astonishingly public this is. Because think with me. Most of the miracles that Jesus performed on, on the earth while he was here, most of them were, they were rather private. Uh, and, and many of the episodes that we see, uh, the events in the life of Christ, most of them were rather, rather private. I mean, at the baptism of Jesus Christ. Oh, John the Baptist was there. There's a few people there. But it was not a magnificent crowd that watched that. What about when Jesus was taken over there in the wilderness and was tempted by the devil? Jesus over there hungry, had uh, fasted, and, and the old devil coming, the old tempter, uh, the old accuser of the brethren. Uh, the devil comes. There is a devil. And he, he's over there and he's tempting Jesus. Was there a throng of people there when Jesus was tempted? Oh no, there wasn't a throng over there. Uh, how about uh, many, many times when uh, Jesus would heal the blind or even heal the lepers? You know, there's 5,000 cases of leprosy in America right now. If you had leprosy, wouldn't you want Jesus to heal you? I don't want leprosy. How do you get leprosy? From another leper or from an armadillo. Don't touch the armadillos either, okay? You get leprosy perhaps from it. That's serious. Oh, oh, look, look. If you had leprosy, you'd want Jesus to heal you. But so many times He healed them privately. And often He would say, he would say this, Tell no man. Really interesting, isn't it? That many of these are just private. Uh, the, the daughter of Jairus, uh, the, the book says, the Bible says that there's great big uh, family members there and so forth. But just Peter, James, and John, it's not a huge crowd. It's a family and, and three of his disciples. How about when Peter, James, and John went up there on the Mount of Transfiguration, Mark chapter 9. They go up on the Mount. It's just Jesus and Peter, James, and John. There's four of them up there. Of course, then they get to see some things. And Peter gets pretty excited. Remember that? Peter's always excited. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he's always talking. Lord, let's just go right into a building program. Let's build three tabernacles. One for you. I mean, he's, he's ready to go in a building program, preacher. <laughs> I like his excitability, okay? And Peter was a man of great accomplishment. But, but the man of transfiguration... There wasn't throngs of people that saw that. And on and on, I've got a list here in the upper room and on and on. Uh, it's, it's not greatly public. No, it's, it's small. But this, Palm Sunday, oh, it's very, very public. They're seeing Jesus Christ. Oh, there's so many wonderful things in the Bible. As I read through the Bible every 38 to 40 days, the Lord's just teaching me so much. And uh, each time I finish reading through a lap of the Bible, uh, I, I try to write down a few things that God taught me. 
several laps ago, somebody said, oh, you just finished reading through the Bible. I said, yes. I said, well, what'd you learn? That's why I learned God always wins. Amen. I went through another lap and, and I thought, well, I, better, I better write down something I learned this time. Just a striking statement. I wrote this down. I am limited. God is unlimited. <laughs> I wrote this, this one down. God is sovereign. I wrote this one down. It's amazing how many individuals are named in the Bible. About 2,900 by name. It's amazing. You know what that tells me? God cares for the individual. He loves the multitudes. But the best thing I ever learned in my life is that God loved me. <laughs> but here we are. Here we are. It's the multitude. It's just the multitudes. God loves the multitudes. He loves the countless millions and billions on this earth. And He died for all. And here it is. Publicly um, riding in on the animal there. And history is being made. Uh, uh, all of history has been moving forward to this, uh, this point. All of history uh, uh, that we read about Noah and all the exciting accounts in the Bible. It's all been headed toward this. God is always moving forward as our Sunday school lesson told us. He is always moving forward. And it's been moving forward to this where the great presentation of the Son of God as the King of Israel, as the Savior of the world, as the Messiah from heaven, the glorious triumph covenant of all history is about to come to pass right here. It's Palm Sunday. Oh, it's Palm Sunday. And it's so very, very public. I'm so struck by that. Number two, King Jesus was crucified publicly. Yeah, He rode in Jerusalem on Palm Sunday publicly. Just days before He's going to be Crucified publicly. The most extreme punishment allowed by Roman law was death by crucifixion. It's amazing what, what God did. It's amazing what Jesus did. Jesus left heaven to come be born on this earth. I mean, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords. The Bible teaches that Jesus is the Creator. By all things, by Him all things are sustained, were created by Him. And, you know, people say, is God powerful? Well, He spoke the universe into existence. Yes, He did. You know, if you can speak the universe into existence, you're powerful. And Jesus left the splendor of heaven to come. Be born in Bethlehem, Bethlehem town, Bethlehem town, tiny village where the Lord came down. Little place. Bethlehem even today is only about 50,000 people. It's not a big place today. I've been there. I've seen the very place that they think that Jesus was born, but it's in Bethlehem. You know, different cities have things they can boast about, you know. My city... Newport News, Virginia. We're the 117th largest city in America. Yeah, we got things we talk about. Talk about Christopher Newport who came and established Newport News. Man, Bethlehem's got something they can talk about. Jesus came here and was born here. Jesus. And He comes. He lives on this earth. He never sins. Not once. 
Anybody who says that Jesus sinned, they're lying. It's not true. He never said, He wasn't going to die for His sin. He's going to die for my sin. And there He is to be crucified. The Bible says in the book of Mark, they killed Jesus. It's amazing that Jesus laid down His life. You know He could have had angels come and take care of business and take care of Him, but He chose to die on a cross. And somehow, miraculously, God allowed all of our sin to be placed on Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin for us, the Bible teaches. Oh yeah, He died in my place. He died for me. But now wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why did they crucify Jesus? I mean the Romans. The Romans loved religion. Oh yeah, they loved religion. Oh yeah, give us some more religion. You got another new religion? Hey, we'll add it to all of them. Come on, give us some more religion. We love religion. But they didn't love Jesus. It's the same thing today. I've got a friend, Pastor Johnson, out in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, Pastor Johnson. He's an old timer. He's 70-some years old. Gun barrel straight. Loves this book. Loves God. Oh yeah. Old-fashioned. Okay, I'm old-fashioned. I mean, look at this suit. Black suit. Uh... Short hair, all that's who I am. I'm old old school, all right? And Pastor Johnson, he's old school. And the Minnesota Senate said, um, Pastor Johnson, we want you to come and open us in prayer. He said, Okay. He goes down and the young lady's going to help him, take him to the right spots at the right time to open the Senate in prayer. And the young lady said, Pastor, we always like to have the preachers write out their prayers for us if they would. Well, he rather reluctantly did it. You know, most preachers I know don't actually write out their prayers. They just pray from their hearts. But there's nothing sinful about writing out a prayer. So he writes out the prayer. And she looked at it and she says, Oh, preacher, this is really good. This is a good prayer. Good prayer. She said, We just need you to change one thing. Please don't close saying, In Jesus' name, Amen. Please don't say that. He said, I can just go home. Because I'm not going to go in there and lead in prayer without saying, in Jesus' name. Because the Bible clearly teaches, if you want your prayers to be answered, you pray in Jesus' name. And so he said, I, I'll just leave if you want me to, but I'm not going to pray without praying in Jesus' name. It's not right for me to do that. Well, she reluctantly let him do it. He goes in, and by the grace of God, about a 150 word prayer, it's not a very long prayer, and he prayed, in Jesus' name, Amen. And what happened to the Minnesota Senate? Well, for the next 15 minutes is chaos. People throwing things around the room, throwing their, desk back, their, their chairs back. It was ridiculous what took place. Now, wait a minute. We're supposed to be a pluralistic society, we say. Uh, we're pluralistic. We're, we like all religions. And I, I would say that if, if Preacher Johnson went in there and said, I'm praying in Eagle Feather's name today, that it wouldn't have been a problem. In Mother Earth's name, amen. Wouldn't have been a problem. In fact, some people say, oh, that's so wonderful, preacher. Thank you, preacher. But mention Jesus. And some people get angry. You see, the, the Romans, they liked man-made religion. But they didn't like Jesus. Even today, many people don't like Jesus. They don't love Him. They reject Him. 
And Jesus Christ was rejected on this earth. He was rejected just exactly the way the Bible says. Oh Lord, I don't want anybody in this room to reject Jesus. Anybody watching online, we don't want you to reject Jesus. Why do people go to hell? Because they reject Jesus. You either accept Jesus or you reject Jesus. I've had people say, well, I haven't exactly rejected Him, but I haven't accepted Him. If you've not accepted Him, you've rejected Him. You cannot be neutral about Jesus. And they were not neutral. Very, very publicly. It was so shameful, the, the, the public crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Oh yeah, the, the Romans, they loved all the uh, Neptune and Juno and all the false religions of that day. Uh, but no, they did not like Jesus whatsoever. Oh friends, please receive Christ as Savior. Now, they put Jesus in a borrowed tomb. A borrowed tomb? Yeah, if you only need it for three days, you just borrow it. <laughs> you know over there, you know over there in Jerusalem, there are three tombs that claim to be the tomb of Jesus. I went to the one that the British uh, supervised, and I believe it's the right one. I don't know that, but I think it's likely that's the right one. But there's three saying this is the tomb. This is the tomb. This is the, there's three. There's one thing in common about all three. They're all three empty. So well, I, I, don't, I don't know, uh, how, how did God raise Jesus from that? It's not a hardship. When you have all power at your disposal, <laughs> it was not a hardship for God to raise His Son Jesus from the dead. <laughs> I serve a risen Savior, He's in the world today. Amen to that. We serve a risen Savior. Why is the music so happy here at Pickerington Baptist? There's a reason. We serve a risen Savior. Oh yeah, our music is triumphant. Our services are triumphant. They're exuberant because of our Savior who died, was buried, and rose again on the third day. So number one, King Jesus rode into Jerusalem very publicly on Palm Sunday. Just days later, Jesus Christ was crucified publicly. Number three, Jesus Christ is coming back publicly. Oh yeah, He's coming back. Now, uh, here's, here's the way it is. Um, He's going to come as a thief in the night. Oh yeah. It's, we call it the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church. The word rapture, that exact word is not found in the Bible. Just like the word trinity is not found in the Bible. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. The word trinity is not in the Bible, but the doctrine of the trinity is in the Bible. That Bible doctrine. The word missionary it's not in the Bible. We support missionaries. Yeah, because the concept, the teaching, the principle uh, that the mission has reached the world with the gospel and we launch out missionaries. Though the word missionary proper, that proper word is not found. The word evangelist. Oh, praise God, we're in there, okay? <laughs> Hallelujah, we made it, yeah. <laughs> we're in there three times. Praise God, we evangelist, yeah. And um, the word rapture. Rapio, the Latin word that it comes from. Harpazo, the Greek word. Caught up. We shall be caught up. Oh yeah. That's going to come as a surprise. To lost people around the world. Talking about a great reset. A great reset is coming. And it could be today. That Jesus Christ, that that trumpet sounds. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. Oh, it's going to happen. And then there's going to be seven years of tribulation upon this earth. It's kind of broken into two sections, the tribulation and the great tribulation. And the wrath of man poured out, the wrath of the devil poured out, and in 
the wrath of God poured out upon this earth. And those Christians are going to be snatched out of here. After that tribulation period, Jesus Christ coming back to this earth. We call it the second advent. He's coming right back to the earth. And brother, is it going to be public? Oh, brother, I, I like our form of government, our constitutional republic. I like our form. Out of all the forms of government, I don't like dictatorship. I, don't, uh, I, like, I like this federated constitutional republic that we have. I like it. I like all the founding documents. I like all that stuff. But, oh, there's coming a government much better than what we have. <laughs> oh, yeah, because we've never had a perfect leader. <laughs> None of them. None of them perfect. But a perfect leader is coming. And it's going to be public. Oh, friends, the Muslims have, have put a lot of their people buried right in front of that eastern gate over there of Jerusalem. Because they, they say that a prophet wouldn't walk on, on graves. You, they think they're going to stop Jesus from coming. Not a chance. Oh, he's coming. And it's going to be very public. And what is it? It's the 1,000 rule and reign of Jesus Christ upon the earth that's taught clear in the Bible. The millennial reign of Christ. And brother, is it going to be public? Everybody's going to know King Jesus is on the throne. Jerusalem's going to be the world capital. All the wonderful things. The desert's going to bloom like the rose. All these wonderful things that we find in the Scripture about the public uh, return of Jesus Christ to this earth. And He's not coming back to be crucified. No, sir. He's coming back as King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus has done all He's going to do. God has done all He's going to do as far as providing salvation. He's not going to die on a cross again. He's done it. He was buried and he rose again. He's coming back openly and publicly uh, and before everyone. So brings me to my last little point, my application point. I had three points of the sermon, but there's an application. Well, what, how should we apply this to our lives? Christ riding in Jerusalem publicly. Christ was crucified publicly. He's coming back to rule and reign for a thousand years publicly. And after that, eternity. There's a, there's a big word there, public. Do you know that the Lord wants us to go public with our salvation? Amen. Amen. It's not, I, I go out soul winning, sometimes people say, oh, 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 um, uh, it, it's a private matter. When I say, have you received Christ? Oh, that's a private matter. According to the Bible, once you get saved, you're supposed to go public with it. You know, you, you want to be confessed before God? <laughs> then you confess your salvation before others. Man, the night I got saved is a Thursday night. I was so happy I was saved. I told everybody I saw. I went to school the next day. I got saved. I got saved. I got saved. We was doing a citywide crusade last year in Beckley in um, September. And uh, during the course of the meeting, I had 15 interviews live on TV and live on radio stations. Before the, the services, they'd come out and I'd make statements and all that sort of thing. Well, the final service, uh, the final interview came, but she came late and the service was on. And I'm up there running things and so I sent our good friend Scott Pauley out there. Brother Pauley, you go do the interview. Brother Pauley went out there and he did the interview with the ABC local news station. And he talked with the young lady. And the interview was over. And Brother Paulie started coming back into the auditorium. Big auditorium, 6,000 seat auditorium. Big place. Big crowd. 
He's walking back in. And it dawned on him, oh my. And he went back and said, uh, young lady, may I, may I speak to you a moment? He went back, he said, I forgot to talk with you. Have you received Christ as your Savior? You know what he did? God allowed him to lead that reporter to Christ. Let me tell you what she did. So she went to do her report on the radio station. She told about it and showed a few pictures inside, showed the big choir, all that kind of stuff. And she was talking about the, the God Bless America rally that was going on. And she said, you know, astonishingly, I received Christ tonight. She went public with it. In preparation for that God Bless America rally there, I was out in the community. I was going to orphanages. There's five orphanages in the area, and I'm talking to different people and so forth. And I saw a racetrack, a car racetrack, a little three-eighths of a mile racetrack. And uh, I went over there. I said, uh, I'd like to meet the owner, please. Turned out it was a man named Mooney, Mr. Robert Mooney. And so I'm talking to Mr. Robert Mooney. I said, we're doing this God Bless America rally. I want to invite you. And uh, he said, I've heard about you. Word does get around, you know. <laughs> I'm like, what have you heard? He said, you're that singing preacher, aren't you? I said, yeah. He said, well, I, I've heard about you. He said, I, I'd like you to come out here to one of my races and, and sing the national anthem and lead us in prayer and then tell all of us how to go to heaven. I got my phone out. I said, sir, wh when do you want me to come? That's when Evangelist does it. We established two dates. And just days from when he first asked me, I'm up there in the control tower and I'm talking about the race. I, I wanted to get acclimated to everybody and the sound system and all that. I, I worked the gate, meeting people as they're coming in, trying to build relationships there. But I'm up there in the control tower. And I sing the national anthem. I lead in prayer. And I said, Mr. Mooney has asked me to tell all of you how to go to heaven from this racetrack. And I had tables down at the bottom and I had people there that could deal as counselors. And I presented the gospel of Jesus Christ. How that anybody in this stadium here, this racetrack, there's 1,800 people there, that all of you can get saved. And I preached John 3.16. There was open weeping going on. It was amazing what God did at a racetrack. And we had over 30 people receive Christ as Savior that night. Two came up into the control tower with me, and I got to lead them to Christ in the control tower. It's amazing. I'm so glad Jesus came, aren't you? I'm glad He rode in Jerusalem. I'm glad we can share the gospel. I want to see people saved, don't you all? Would you stand with me? Heads bowed, please. Eyes closed. Have you received Christ as your Savior? If you were given an opportunity to give your testimony on how you know for sure that you're going to heaven, do you have a Bible testimony? Could you tell us how you know for sure? Well, I, I'm going to heaven because I got baptized. Well, then you're not going to heaven if you're counting on your baptism to get you there. Well, I'm, I'm going to heaven because I've been a good guy. You'll not get to heaven by being a good guy. There's only one way to heaven. 
And that's through the eternal Son of God, Jesus Christ, who died on a cross, was buried, and rose again. This is God's program. This is God's plan. This is God's ordained plan. And each person must come to Christ themselves. You don't go to heaven because your family's Christians. You go to heaven because you yourself have received Christ as Savior. Jesus said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Jesus said that. Well, what does it mean, repent? It means a big turn. About face, it means turn from your sin. Acknowledge you're going in the wrong direction. You want to go in the right direction. Repent. But you've also got to believe. Most famous verse in the world, John 3, 16, 25 golden words. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. You've got to believe that Jesus is God's Son. If you don't believe that, you're not going to heaven. You must believe that He is crucified. If you don't believe that, you're not saved. You must believe He is buried. That's part of the gospel. And you must believe that He rose from the grave. If you don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you are not saved. The bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's part of the gospel. And you cast your care upon Him, for He careth for you. You know, the Lord wants to save everybody. There's not one person, the meanest, nastiest person in the world. The Lord wants to save them. He died for, for you. How many of you know for sure, if you were to die today, how many of you know for sure that you are saved? Would you just, in the quietness of this moment, raise a hand and say, Brother Fox, I know that I'm saved. God bless you. God bless you. Are there some this morning who would say, Brother Fox, I do not know that I'm saved. Brother Fox, would you pray for me? Is there some in this room like that today who would raise a hand and say, I don't know for sure that I'm saved. Brother Fox, pray for me that I would be saved. Raise a hand right now, would you? Let me see you. Is there someone like that here today? You're among friends. We're here to help. Anyone in this room said, Brother Fox, I want to be saved today. I would like to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior today. Anyone? All right. I want to ask you this. When did you last go public with your faith in Christ? When did you last, when did you last tell somebody about your salvation? One of the greatest ways to witness is to tell others about your salvation. How many of you have people on your heart that you want to see them saved? How many of you? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, we got friends and neighbors. We want, we want to be saved, don't we? Let's go public this week. This is a great week. Now, at this invitation, you know, if you're going to get baptized, you need to do whatever you need to do there during this invitation. But those who want to come and pray and intercede in prayer for others or make commitments about soul winning this week and going public, whatever you want to, we like giving this public invitation. Our piano is going to play in just a moment. Lord, help us in this invitation. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our piano is playing. Heads are bowed, but all that want to come, all the men, the women, the whole families, yeah, come on. Come on. If you want to just come and pray, yeah, come on. If you want to talk to preacher, get preacher's attention. Look at him. Wave at him. Say, I want, I want to talk to you, preacher. If you're not saved, I urge you to receive Christ as Savior. God bless you.
Oh, bless the Lord. The sweet, wonderful Lord. Several have come. All that want to come, just come on. Yes. God bless you, man. Praise the Lord. Now, we're not in a hurry. And everybody in the room, be praying right now for God to have His way. Stay right there for a moment. Folks, you're getting some help from the Lord this morning. God bless you, ma'am. I love to see people praying at this time. The verdict for Jesus comes in now. Oh, Lord. What a glorious morning God has given us. Now just take your time. We're not in a hurry. Our preacher's coming. I want you to listen to him. 